It takes more than writing great code to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode number 20. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Together we are your hosts. <laughs> I am half of your host. <laughs> hosts, plural, is kind of a hard word to say. We 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 don't English good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, back in episode uh, 17, I think, um, we talked about being fired and people bouncing back and stuff. And we one of the things we raised during that issue was that a lot of people don't talk about this. And so uh, we actually had several people write in to share interesting stories about them being fired and what they did to get fired and then what happened afterward. So we're going to share a couple of those with you now. Jameson, I think you might have the first one. I do. So this is from an anonymous listener. Uh, and here it goes. I listened to your fired podcast and wanted to yell at the car stereo. <laughs> My fired story, <laughs> I got fired with cause for insubordination because I was an entitled brat. My, <laughs> my friend who got hired shortly before I did got a promotion. I felt like I deserved, uh, but he deserved it and I so did not. <laughs> and I tried to lead a rebellion against him. <laughs> oh. And oh, and I worked at the help desk and I did like eight hours of actual work per week. And then it says lol. <laughs> uh, eventually it all caught up with me. I brought my snowboard to my place of employment for the company ski trip and I got called to HR as everyone was leaving. And they were like, officially it's not a good fit. Unofficially it's insubordination and also you are not good at customer service. <laughs> I was crying and like, you don't have a mortgage to pay. Totes unprofesh about the whole thing. I'm pretty sure the words totes unprofesh are tongue in cheek. <laughs> <laughs> totes unprofesh is the most profesh way to say that. <laughs> totes profesh. Uh, I called my wife bawling on the drive home. I'm so sorry I messed up. Gave it a day and called my friend boss the next day to tell him he was right to fire me and hope we could still be friends. Cashed my 401k in a panic. Bad move. <laughs> oh. And went to interview at Apple Retail. Um, told them everything about getting fired like I really owned it and relished it for the learning experience it was out of 2,500 candidates they hired 15 and I was one I showed up and the GM was like hey it's fired guy fired guy <laughs> hey fired um, guy <laughs> and it ends with I learned the customer service skills at Apple that I wish I'd had previously so it sounds like this was really a I, mean, I, I like how this person totally owns it and says it's completely their fault but also used it as an experience to improve a mm -hmm. lot yeah, and and when he went to interview uh, later, he completely told the truth. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I know this person, and they are a great storyteller. But also, <laughs> this is a good story, so it kind of helped them stand out. It sounds like so um, perhaps being fired was one of the better things that could have happened. Here's what I took away from that. What if story. they won the rebellion and they still worked <laughs> at the help desk to this day? <laughs> And then the other guy got fired. <laughs> yeah. Then what would their, it's like sliding doors or whatever that movie is. What would their life be like? So here's my takeaway from that story. Don't make important financial decisions right after getting fired. Yeah. Don't, don't cash your 401k if you can help it. <laughs> okay. All right. I have another story from a listener, also anonymous. Uh, he writes, I was going to be placed on an extremely tough probation and my supervisor told me that I probably wouldn't make it through it. Part of the thought about trying to salvage that situation, however, I realized is that it would be easier and less stressful for me to start brand new afresh at a new employer. 
There was a lot of different things that led to that situation. The organization itself had its own issues. Like in the two years I was there, I had three different supervisors and we used four different time tracking applications. Everyone loves a good time tracking application. That was just my my little note there. Um, I had quite a few projects that I was placed on that put me in a situation to fail and either the requirements were not correctly gathered or I was working on some legacy code that had issues. Um, I'll admit around this time I gotten pretty burned out and I wasn't staying up to date on my tech skills. By that time, my third supervisor had come along and he wanted me to redo things and saw some of those situations as reasons to get rid of me. How did I handle this experience? Uh, When searching for new jobs. Oh no, sorry. In the end, I ended up at a great company that provides money for training and has a career path for their workers. How did I handle this experience when searching for new jobs? Thankfully, I started to see the writing on the wall and had started a search. I quit on a Tuesday morning and I had two job interviews lined up by the end of the week. In my interviews, I didn't mention anything about quitting. I told them that I was still there and that I didn't want them to know I was looking. A few weeks later, I was hired on and I didn't have any issues. It's been almost three years at my current job and nothing has come from how I joined. Overall, I would admit I had I was a tad dishonest in how I interviewed. The way I saw it, I could either be an honest guy that didn't get a job or I could be a dishonest guy and get a job. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a, unfortunately, I definitely lost some confidence in my skills from this experience. It probably took me a few months to get over the situation. Thankfully, I gained them back by working and studying. So there you go. I wouldn't call that dishonest. By saying that you were still working there even though you had quit? Oh, did they actually quit? Yeah. I thought, I thought he quit. said... Quit on a Tuesday and had job interviews later that week. Oh, okay. I guess kind of, kind of that is, but it's like a little, a little bit dishonest. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the part about how he quit before he got fired though, because it makes me think of scenes in a movie where they, like the person notices a bomb and it counts down to like five seconds and then they just turn around and start running in slow motion and it blows up behind them and they like dive out of the tunnel. That's what I think of when I when I think of this situation. Yeah. So so good work. I like that he uh, he was able to bounce back by training again, and even though he had a pretty big blow to his confidence, and um, he said he uh, like his tech skills had really gotten a little bit stale, um, but he was able to retrain and and get upgraded, and everything is great now. Three years into his new job. Yeah. Cool. So uh, you can you can get fired and still be great. Yep. That's what I take away from both of these stories. Yeah, I do too. It's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, getting fired isn't good, but <laughs> but life goes on. That's true. I was just good that you took something away from the story. That's oh, okay. <laughs> that was good. I learned from their pain and yes. it was delicious. Actually, what I meant was that your jumping from a bomb metaphor was good. That's what I... <laughs> that too. That That metaphor applies to so many situations too. Like It was good uh anyways <laughs> all right so jameson can you read our first question for today i certainly can how do i make code reviews more effective it feels like reviewers fit into two categories either they are too quick and superficial or they get bogged down in nitpicks so true that this is, is interesting categorization and very common yeah this is a common complaint i hear that code reviews become a hoop you jump through and everyone kind of treats them casually and they don't help that much, but there's still work you have to do and it kind of feels like developer busy work. Can we start out by talking about if you really need code reviews? Well, you don't, Dave, specifically. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't write any code. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. Do you for, need code reviews? For years, for about 10 years, I believed that code reviews 
were a sign of weakness. What? Yes. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. And I sometimes thought, I'm really glad that I know you now <laughs> from some of the stuff you say because <laughs> you're oh. such a nice guy now. <laughs> wow, you just gave me a real some real introspection. Such a backhanded feels. compliment. <laughs> I'm so glad I know you. Dot dot dot. Now. <laughs> Oh, man. No, literally for years, I, I thought this. And I thought, look, we've hired smart people. They don't need to be babysat. You know, like these people are super bright. Why do I need someone to come in and like look over their code? Just they're capable and confident. Do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And you want to know the someone in one sentence changed my heart on this. And it was a, someone who had wor- worked at Google. And he said, Google hires smart engineers and they do code reviews. And I was like. Ah, the appeal to authority. Yes. Classic, get, classic get way every of knowledge. Time. <laughs> <laughs> it really made me think like, oh, so it's not just about smartness and babysitting. There might be some other benefits here. And I started to realize that we needed this on our team. Uh, we needed people to share their knowledge and make sure that we didn't have single points of failure, like the bus factor, you know, like, well, sure. only, only Bob knows how that function works, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And code reviews are a great way to facilitate that and many, many other benefits. So we put code reviews in place two years ago and uh, it has been a life changer. I've absolutely loved it. And it hasn't cost nearly as much time as I thought. So was, was that your, I mean, what was your concern with it? The time uh, mostly Lost. it was a time suck. Now you've got to remember, Jameson, since you're just a young whippersnapper in this industry, we did not have GitHub. We did not have pull requests. You know, that wasn't a thing. And let me just tell you, code reviews with CVS and Subversion, it's not happening. Like there's no, they don't help at all. Sure. You know, and there was no GitHub, there was no GitLab. Um, there was none of that stuff. So uh, it was really hard. Like it was like a sit down thing where you had to bring your computer over to your coworker or email them a diff. And yeah, there were tools out there like review board and Garrett and stuff, but those are all kind of, I don't know exactly how old they are, but they were not on my radar. So, and you, yeah. you didn't want to be like the Linux mailing list where you just scream at each other over email <laughs> over like three line diffs. Yeah. When that was the model for code reviews, <laughs> I think I'm a little justified in not doing them. That's true. Uh, okay. Now are you glad you didn't know me back then, James? <laughs> I, I wish we had met earlier all the time. Um, that's really okay. interesting. I've never thought about the, it, it's just part of the air. The industry consensus now is everyone does code reviews, right? Yeah, I think so. I haven't heard any arguments against it besides you just now when you said you were too smart for them. Now, oh. <laughs> I believe that was the summary of your point. <laughs> well, I shouldn't I shouldn't say we didn't do code reviews. We did post facto reviews where we would have like our subversion or git system email the team with every commit and people would put those in a folder and you could read through them. And I would read through them all. Um but it was always post facto. It was never uh, a gate, you know, to getting your code merged. Sure. So, anyway. Huh. Whatever. Let's get to the question. So, how do we make them more effective? Or let's take it for granted that we actually are going to do them because I think almost every developer I know does them. Mhm. Um, I, I think a lot of it is the attitude of the team towards the pull or towards the co- the code reviews. Man, I can't even. I want to say pull requests. Yeah, we should probably just, just use those shows, terms interchangeably. Yeah, shows my my bias towards the GitHub model. Um, I, I think if the team feels like they're a waste of time and they're busy work, then they will treat them as a waste of time and busy work, and they they won't be useful. I've never had. I've done plenty of crappy code reviews and I've never felt like they added much value. 
um, more than like a hoop to jump through for the code. Uh, so this is vague advice, but if you can show people the value of doing it well, then I think that can spread throughout the team. Um, actually, at Kowali, uh, my 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 previous employer, um, we kind of were okay at code reviews, but not amazing. And then just one person on the team decided that they really, really, really wanted to get better feedback on their code. And the way they did that was put a ton of effort into their pull request write-up. They put kind of detailed notes about, detailed but not a wall of text so that you wouldn't read it, about their thought, about their design process, about the technical aspects. And then kind of, they they even made a video of what the feature was and how to enable it and how to test it. And then they asked, hey, give me feedback on this design. And then can you please check this branch out can you please set up your your program so that you can run the feature that I created in this in this pull request? And it took a long time, actually. It took like 20 minutes, half an hour to do it all. But it was super valuable. And I, I found some issues that there are is no way I would have found from just cursorily reading through the code. Mm-hmm. Um and and I didn't end up doing all of that every time, but that definitely inspired me to kind of up my game with code reviews, both what I asked for and then what I what I gave to other people. Wow, that is so cool. That is the kind of engineer I love having on my team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I can say his name because he's awesome and I'm not saying bad things about him. This is Murphy Randall, and he's amazing, and I love Murphy! working with him. Murphy, round of yeah. applause, everybody. Hooray, he's great. Um, so, I, I mean, just, just seeing one person really benefit from it can encourage other people. Now, I don't think this... Uh, totally went from zero to 100% awesomeness, but it definitely kind of bumped up the level of, of effort and care that went into pull request reviews. So in that story, you're talking about work that the review requester is putting in to prepare. Is mm-hmm. there anything else? Like, I think there's two sides of this. There's the reviewer and the requester. Mm-hmm. What else What else do you think the requester can do? Is there anything else? I mean, smaller diffs are always easier. You can just recognize mm-hmm. that. There's that famous mm-hmm. tweet that I've seen where they show the dog chasing <laughs> yeah. the laser pointer. <laughs> and then they show the dog with this grid of like 300 laser pointers. <laughs> and it just is frozen, doesn't know what to do. It's like the one line diff code review versus yep. the 5,000 line code yep. review. And there's uh, totally uh, truth in that. Your eyes can glaze over. Uh, I think you can get around that by making smaller commits, smaller smaller um, chunks of, of code to be reviewed. There's also, I mean, sometimes you'll do like some functionality and then you'll maybe clean up some styling or naming or just a little bit of refactoring. And if you do that, it can be really helpful to separate those into different commits and then even maybe name them that way and say like, mm-hmm. if you want to look at the meat, it's in these three commits. This other commit that changed like 500 lines, it was changing things from tabs to spaces. Yep. Or, or I don't know, updating to use this new function syntax or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. And give tips to your reviewers like, this is just a white space change. There should be nothing else. Um, you know, uh, link links back to like the Jira ticket or Pivotal story that you're working on can help give some context as well. Mm-hmm. So making making sure that stuff is all linked up is really handy. Yeah, basically, you don't want to ask someone to just review code without any context. Yes, yes. Exactly. And when you started talking about that tweet, 
just a minute ago with the laser pointers. I started laughing prematurely because I thought for sure you were referring to a different tweet. Oh, well. <laughs> which is, there's this tweet by an account called I Am Developer where it goes, 10 lines of code equals 10 issues. 500 lines of code equals looks good to me, code yep. reviews. <laughs> yep. Classic. Anyway. Sad truth. Uh, oh, so another thing you can do as a reviewer, if you're, um, this is a real hands-on thing, but like if you've done a, a pretty big review of, a, sorry, a pretty big diff and you got some feedback, now phase two is you need to implement that feedback. So you have two choices here. In the Git model, you can either amend your old commits and push them back up with the dash F, or you can add new commits with new commit messages explaining what you did that have their own diffs. And I prefer the second thing especially for bigger reviews, so that the reviewer can say, okay, I can just narrow in on the stuff that you changed to address my feedback only instead of having to do a full uh, reread of the entire diff from start to finish. Sure. So this, is, this is stuff you can do if you are the, the submitter, like the changer. The requester, yeah. The requester, okay. Uh, anything else that that person can do if you're the one creating the diff? You can walk over to the reviewer's desk and stand over their shoulder until they review it. <laughs> That's a good point. How how do you handle, I mean, what's the expectation that you have for how long code goes between when it's put up for review and when it gets reviewed? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, on our team, it's probably a matter of a couple of hours is that we would expect it to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a bunch of automated tests that run against the branch that's being reviewed first. So mm-hmm. you have, you know, you know, you have like 30, 40 minutes, um, minimum before that stuff will all pass anyway, which that kind of is a long time, but <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's not a soft skill. Uh, yeah. Ignore it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That doesn't exist. Um, I don't know. A few hours seems pretty reasonable. What do you guys do? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's pretty average. I One of the teams, um, it's like immediate. And the expectation is as soon as you put up a, a chunk of code, you can actually go just tap somebody on the shoulder because they value getting stuff reviewed quickly that highly. Um, I don't know if I love that because it makes it easy to get interrupted and thrown off your, your flow. Um, so I kind of prefer the couple hours thing, but they never have that problem where um, changes just linger for days or, or weeks even because people are busy or maybe kind of scared of it and it always seems like too much work to start right then and then it just hangs around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when you just type plus one and move on. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> that's what the plus one is for. <laughs> LGTM. Mm-hmm. But is there a way to say it looks good to me but I'm in no way responsible if this ends up causing any problems from me not looking at it? Let's see, that would be W-M-H-O-T, washing my hands of this. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I like that. That's like the plus 0.5. <laughs> plus 0.5, can't be held responsible. Plus some. <laughs> plus some. <laughs> okay, so what do you do if you're the reviewer? How do you how do you give good feedback? Okay, so this is really hard to do, first of all. I don't know why, but for my brain, doing code reviews effectively is hard. And the people who do it really well tend to spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. And one of the things I do to try to get in the right mindset, if I really want to do a good job on a code review, is I look first at the description and the the thing they're trying to solve. And I watch all of Murphy's videos. (laughs) (laughs) And then I don't look at the code. Then I take a step back and I think, how would I code this up if I were the engineer? And this 
intentionally biases me, but what it does is it brings me into the code review with critical thought because now I can look for deltas between what I envisioned and what the developer actually did. And and not that I'm looking to just like minus one the commit or minus one the review because it doesn't match my thoughts. Not at all. It's because now my brain is in like pattern recognition mode, which is what brains are good at, instead of just like, well, looks like you didn't indent this as well as you should have, or we do tabs, not spaces, you know, or whatever, you know, dumb things. Instead, I'm looking at structure and design and code organization, things that actually matter much more than like, hey, we put curly braces on the same line as the if statement, buddy. Sure. Clean that crap up. Clean that curly braces. I won't have it. Our customers will be livid if they knew that we had curly braces. Yeah. (laughs) So two things that what you said made me think of. The first is just at the very beginning, you mentioned that people who are good at it put a lot of time into it. And I think there's this idea in the industry that code reviews are like a quick fix. You just do them, slap them on, and then they make your code better. And I think that is untrue. I think you're totally right that good code reviews, it involves reading and understanding code. And unless you very intimately understand the chunk of code that's being changed already. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to get up to speed on what the state of the code is before yep. the change and then understand how the change affects it. It takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think recognizing that this is a thing you invest in, it's not just like a, a, a yeah, like I said, it's not a quick fix um, is, is key to getting value out of it. The other thing is you mentioned those kind of little nitpicky curly brace things. There's a whole class of things that get caught in code reviews that you could automate away through your tooling. The curly brace thing, you should have some kind of linter or automated code formatter that just eliminates those issues. If you are spending time in code reviews looking for style issues, then that's time that computers can can save you from spending. Mm-hmm. And then you have more time to spend on the, the, the good stuff, the yeah. functionality. So I I think that's totally worth investing some time into changing your CI setup or or your whatever your setup is for checking for those things to make sure it happens for you and you don't have to do anything. Absolutely. Well worth it. Um, Also, that means you can have the discussion as a team about what the nitpicks are going to be once instead of every code review. Oh, and beware of that discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but get it done. (laughs) Just be done with it. I hate those discussions. No matter what's... uh, everyone's always a little bit mad because they don't get oh, yeah. all of their own oh, way yeah. exactly i that's that's honestly probably the thing that has made me the most mad in oh, really in software yeah is just Ooh. arguing over stylistic things and i recognize in my head it doesn't matter jameson you're arguing you mean, over stupid wait, are, stuff are you mad because you're watching two other people argue or are you mad no because no you're i am i am mad because in javascript somebody wants to make us use triple equals all the time and i'm like that's stupid because sometimes double equals is better and if you just learn the rules for coercion then it makes sense and like and and i just i i see myself being unreasonable and mm. i i have a hard time stopping it just so like you go a home and look train. at the mirror and you just feel shame. I do, yeah, because I get... You're a junkie, Jameson. I am. I <laughs> am a, a junkie. junkie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if everyone just adopted my style, then that'd be okay. Um, well, then you wouldn't be a junkie anymore. You'd be the, you'd be the king. <laughs> the junkie king. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to nitpicks, you know, for the stuff that your linter or automated CI system doesn't catch... If you do have a nitpick that you notice and that you think is worth mentioning, I like to tell people I'm reviewing code for, hey, here's a nitpick. I will not withhold my plus one for this, but I just wanted you to be aware it's something I noticed. 
your call whether you fix it or not. I don't think, I really hate it when merge requests or pull requests get held up because there's five nitpicks and somebody is just digging in on it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, there's one more thing. Back to the requester. So one of the things you can do as a requester is you can give the reviewer a sense for how finished this is. Um, For example, if you're a work in progress, it's like a third done, and you just want to get a sanity check on your approach, that's a very different review time commitment than this is a finished product and it must be ready to ship to production. So telling the reviewer what state you're in before you give it to them, I think is really helpful. Yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge point. By huge, I mean good. I don't know why I said huge. The that's size like, of that point, point is larger than other points. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the words were small, the, <laughs> the point is large. And then the other thing is when you've got a work in progress, maybe you don't need a code review at all. Maybe you need to go sit down with someone and talk. Um, code reviews incur a certain amount of communication overhead. They put one more item on someone's to-do list and uh, they cause cognitive friction, you know? And sometimes when you sit down, even though it might take a little more time, you can have a better conversation that's less, there's less cognitive load. You know, it's like, hey, I want to talk through an idea with you. It's like way better than I've sent you a code review, <laughs> you know? Sure. And so sometimes you don't need a code review at all. You need a concept review. And those do in my my experience those are best done one-on-one or through some other means like a document that you can share yeah it's way easier to change a design than to change code and yeah true even the word design sometimes gets a bad rap it feels like oh big design up front and that's bad and we we're agile and we just kind of ship stuff and then figure it out and uh design is great and it can help make your code better and it's easier to do in your head than on the computer sometimes it really is. All right. That's that's all I have. Me too. That question has been answered. Yeah, it has. Y- your question has been reviewed. <laughs> Plus one. Plus one. Looks good to me. <laughs> Seems fine. I'm sure it's... Uh, I'm sure <laughs> our answers were fine. I'm sure... <laughs> I don't understand most of them, and I'm not going to try, but it's but fine. I, I think, Jameson, you should put more pauses between your sentences. Just It's a nitpick, but I just wanted you to know. <laughs> All right. Deleting the podcast, starting over. Oh, I had one more thought on that. Oh, hit me. There's this really awesome episode on a podcast called The Changelog um, by the author of the C4, the Collective Code Construction Contract, uh, Peter Hinchins, who um, look him up on episode number 205 of The Changelog. Great episode. One of the things he talks about in code reviews is he says, our protocol is we always move forward. So if a pull request comes up and it's got some controversial stuff in it, we merge it. And if you care enough to fix the controversial stuff, you will make a subsequent pull request that addresses it. If you don't care enough to actually make your own pull request to address the stuff that you raised, then you don't care that much and just let it go. And I thought that is a really cool heuristic. I like that a lot too. I, in my younger days, I've been guilty of arguing passionately for someone else to make something (laughs) make me feel better. (laughs) And then uh, they were like, well, I'm not going to do that. But if you care, you can change it. And I didn't care enough to change it. And you didn't. So you learned something about yourself. (laughs) I sure did. Yep. I'm really glad I didn't know you back then. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I I think we're out of time today. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah, we... uh, 
I think that was a good question and we got some good yeah. stuff in about the the fired stories. We want to respect yeah. your time by not making it uh not making this podcast too long. We want to respect your time by not making you listen to us very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Plus one. <laughs> <laughs> These are great questions. If you have a question, uh if our listeners have a question, Jameson, what should they do? Um No, wait, 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 wait. That they want us to answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that they think that we could answer mm-hmm. about yeah soft skills and coding real, oh geez i already messed that no, up not the coding not part. coding stuff <laughs> the core premise of our podcast uh is clearly not cemented in my mind yet after 20 episodes <laughs> anyways they should send us a tweet or a direct message on twitter we are soft skills eng we will put it in our backlog and we will uh try and get to it we love um, hearing feedback about the episode too, what you liked and what you didn't like. Uh, if someone could make one of those inspirational quote poster things of stuff that Dave says, <laughs> where it's like white text, there's a picture of the sunset and the text is overlaid. Um, <laughs> that would also be good feedback too. Where are you going with this? <laughs> like what kind of stuff? No, just like those inspirational things that people post on Facebook, except it'll say like plus one Dave Smith or something like that. <laughs> That's all it said. Yeah, that oh, kind of feedback would be helpful. I think you finally identified the financial model for this podcast. <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh, it's a good thing because those yacht payments aren't paying themselves. Oh, tell speaking you what. of that, okay. Speaking of financial models, if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, we are interested in talking to you. Um, I think a lot of people are listening now, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally several of 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 humans are listening (laughs) we've extended from jameson's mom to also a couple of his cousins yeah yeah they're they're big fans uh and i think it could be a good way to um have us help you out and have you help us out so if you're interested also send us a tweet or a dm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. also because i want this done i'm gonna um announce this we have a website it's at softskills.audio and if you go there now there's Ah. nothing but soon there will be something because Ooh. I'm going to work on it. So it's done in time for this publication. Way to commit. Way Thank to commit. You. Publicly. Very publicly. We're going to put in place an aggressive code review process for any changes you make to the website, James. That will surely help it get done faster. <laughs> You're smart. You don't need a code review. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. It was great having you. And thank you so much for those that wrote in stories and questions. They just keep piling up and we will get to them. Yep. Talk to you later.